Hello and welcome to the Cut in the Dry here on the Life Given Radio. This is the show that doesn't mince the hot takes that the Bible lays out for us, cut and dried. I'm your host, Kip Mock, and I'm here with my co-host, Isaac Lopez. How's it going, man? It's going really well. First recording of the new year. Heck yeah. Let's get it rolling. Yeah. We uh, we recorded a special, the special on wealth uh, a couple days before Christmas, mm-hmm. but we haven't done anything since then. So no. No, we're, we were on break. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. Christmas was amazing. Oh, yeah. New Year's. Was uh, well, a lot, of, a lot of stuff's oh, happened. Yeah, I, a lot of stuff. I kind of skipped reading the news for a couple Ooh. months there, and then yeah. you know everything happened at the Capitol, and <laughs> Trump conceded, and I was like, "Wow, uh, I didn't really want to read the news." Yeah, but. no, no, it's not. It's not a great place to be reading, but it's yeah. still. I well, we're gonna get to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, one just one quick thing before yeah. we get into indubitable. Um, Ever since I got off social media, I was kind of not really sure where I was going to get news from. Right. Because, um, you know, Apple News and Google News aren't really, um, well, they're not They're not great. Mm. There is an app that you can get on at least the Apple App Store um, that's just called Conservative News and mm. it has things like Breitbart, The Blaze, oh, Daily okay. Wire, gotcha. all of this stuff. And it's all in one place and it's like uh, read-only view. Wow. And okay, cool. it's super nice for just like a clean view of the news without yeah. anything else. Oh, um, very interesting. It does have like banner ads that you can get rid of for a one-time purchase. Okay. Um, but I found that super helpful. Um, okay. Because it's just like a place that I can go read the news without. Sweet. Make sure to link to that then yeah. in the description. Because awesome. that's that's a great recommend. And it's not even our toilet tip Dude, yet. That is a You're bonus on a roll. toilet tip. <laughs> that is a bonus one. That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, with that, uh, welcome back to 2021. This one's going to be a juicy one, boys. Uh, Yeah. But let's get right into Indubitable. Uh, And we're kicking off the year with a bit of a spicy one, uh, which is white privilege. Oof. So. Doesn't get better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, er Early on in our show, we discussed a quote from Timothy Keller where he mentioned that being white was worth around a million dollars over the course of a lifetime. And some of you may remember me saying a million dollars over a lifetime isn't that much, really. Right. And probably thought, geez, Kip, your white privilege is showing there, bud. Um, So here's my response to that overt display of my white privilege. Uh, Yeah, so what? (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Um, And I do have reasons for that, which I'm going to get into. In postmodern times, there's such an ingrained evil connotation with white privilege that instead of redefining a phrase invented by the secularists, I think our response ought to be, I don't care what you think. Mm. I don't care what you have to say. My definitions are based on what the creator of all things has to say, Mm. and you're just some idiot. So here's what the creator of all things has to say about white privilege. There are a few things I want to highlight. First... Everything we have is a gift. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Second, we ought to be grateful for all of the things given to us by God. I'm kind of setting up an argument. Some of you will have caught mm-hmm. on to this right now, by now. But... We, we ought to be grateful for all the things given to us by God is the second point. The first point is that everything we have is a gift. So you probably already see where I'm going with this. Um, and I don't really need to tell you that the Bible tells us to be <laughs> thankful for all things. It's a 
recurring theme throughout every word of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. But here's just one that I love. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The assumption here is that you ought to be grateful for all things. Mm -hmm. You don't get to be ungrateful for the fact that you're white and privileged. That's not a virtue, that's a sin. And Ecclesiastes makes this even more clear in chapter 5, verse 19. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. It doesn't get much more clear than that. Mm. And obviously the term white privilege doesn't show up in scripture. Right. But I think you get where I'm going with this. Mm. Everything we have is a gift and Ecclesiastes even brings it down to the point of wealth that we ought to be grateful for that mm-hmm. specific gift. Right. There, there is no exception. You don't get to make exceptions for mm-hmm. things that you think are unfair to right. black right. people or Mexicans because on a whole, they don't have the same level of wealth that white people do. Mm. You don't get to be ungrateful for a gift just because somebody else doesn't have it. Right. That's, that's not how it works. Mm. But here's where it really comes to a head. We ought to serve those around us with the gifts we have been given. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I think this really hits the nail on the head because Mm -hmm. Peter's telling us God doesn't give everybody the same gifts. As, As good stewards of God's varied grace, we ought to use the fact that um, you know, obviously not every white person is wealthier than every black person or right. Mexican. That's, that's obviously not the right. case. And I, you know, Isaac's over here, half Mexican, so <laughs> this is probably uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but the point is a, be grateful for the gift mm. you've been given. If, if you have indeed been given the gift of white privilege, but mm. be grateful for it. Don't, don't be ungrateful for it by spurning it as some sort of evil thing. It's not an evil thing. It's a gift from God. And second of all, you have this gift from God, so use it hmm. to serve those around you. And, and I think that's, that's the perspective that Christians need to have when it comes to white privilege. Do you have any, any thoughts there, Isaac? I see you ruminating over there. <laughs> yeah, I am ruminating. I, I think it's very interesting because I think that overall your perspective is the correct one with uh, understanding that you're born, you, you can't control the color of your skin, you can't control your sex, you can't control all these things. Like mm-hmm. everything that you are, God has gifted you with. Right. right? Um, now, when it comes to the term white privilege, there's so much negative connotation around that mm-hmm. um, that I actually want to haggle over the terms because okay. uh, when, when it comes to what the culture is saying is white privilege sure. and that white people have this inherent easy step in life, okay. when I I would I would disagree with that. You know, I would disagree okay. with the culture's definition. You, you so would disagree with even the assumption that white people Yeah, have okay. a have a certain privilege. Um you know, I, I think that we've we've moved well beyond uh the tragedy of the civil war in our country. Okay. Um in what was a you know, on stage was the racism in America, right? Mm-hmm. I mean there was racism that uh, I think our countries had to deal with. But I think you're not going to run into a lot of people today that are going to be like, oh, you're black, so I'm not going to hire you. 
Like that that person is in the wrong, right? Um, so I I actually would would like to wrestle with their definition at some point because okay. I think it's uh, very flawed. Yeah, I, I think there's I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, mm. and I think the the only point where there's, um, I, I think the where I'd agree with you is that there is no opportunity privilege for white mm. people. Okay, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I don't think that black people are or Mexicans are denied opportunities because of their right. skin color, mm-hmm. right? And so in that sense, I think that there is no such thing as white right. privilege. The only point where there's even kind of a hint of white privilege being a real thing is just in the average wealth demographics mm, of right. different different uh, mm. races, per se, different skin colors. Yeah. White people are, on average, wealthier than black people. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jews are wealthier than, you know, the average Caucasian. Right, and right. You don't see anybody complaining about that. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, like in not to get too deep into this, sure. but like like I've I've looked at some of the studies and more more like the crime rates in different parts of the U.S. Like why why are African Americans being arrested at higher rates than white people? Mm-hmm. You know, like proportionally to mm-hmm. the amount of um, those people in the United States, right? Yeah. And I think that's more chalked up to the culture that they're growing up in. Where where are you being raised? Yeah. You know, and once again, that's a gift of where God has placed you. Exactly. Um, and, that, that is yeah. another huge factor. There, there are so many factors right. around this. Right. I'm only going to touch on one more just to kind of kickstart um, y'all's thought process on yeah. this. The one other factor is average IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is white people do have a higher average IQ than uh, black people, for mm-hmm. example. But they have a lower average IQ than Asians and right. a lower average IQ than Jews. Hmm. So there's, I mean, white people on a whole are kind of just thrown in the middle, yeah. you know, yeah. in terms of in terms of what you would consider to be privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, your intelligence, average wealth, um, opportunity, things like that. Mm-hmm culture another big right, one right um and so uh, as as you're thinking about this do realize that it's not it's not like this pyramid with white people at the top right, of the privilege right. chain there's there's a lot more to consider and there are mm. certain other cultures that are more privileged mm. in areas particularly in intelligence yeah there there are a lot of uh cultures that are ahead in that respect there so all that to say um this is there's a lot to think about here and the bottom line is just be grateful mm-hmm. for where you're at yeah. and, and use your gifts to serve God and those around you. Right. And like, that's, that's like, this is the last thing I'll chime in on. Okay. There's so much to unpack here. And like, obviously the people who are listening, they, they may be like, oh, but Kipper Isaac said this. And it's like, we're, we're just discussing very rapidly uh, <laughs> a very big topic. But uh, I looked up just the definition of privilege is a special right advantage or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. And if we truly believe that God has created each individual person with different gifts and abilities, yeah. we're all privileged. You know, yeah. I mean, there, there are just going to be different um, sets of people or just different specific Everybody's people that have... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and, and to a in degree, a that, are, that's yeah. true. I mean, we are all specially created in the eyes of God. Yeah. And so we all have privilege. I mean, yeah. what, what our culture is so... Um, our culture is inherently selfish and mm-hmm. greedy, and they want what other people have. Right. When really, 
You just need to go work your butt off. And yeah. if you want something, go after and pursue it by all fair means necessary. Right? Yeah. Um, instead of being jealous and uh, sitting on your butt all day. Yeah, absolutely. But, I think that was a, that was a great wrap up to this segment. We, uh, sorry, we we would love to talk about this more, guys. Yeah. But we we really got to move on. We're excited about our four cents. Yes. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, subsistence farming and homesteading. What? And <laughs> the the bones I have to pick with the uh, people that are running in this crowd and jumping on this bandwagon. Right. Because I think uh, I've noticed, sorry, if I wasn't clear, we have officially jumped into our four cents. <laughs> I think they, they were catching okay. up. They, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I was still catching up. But. <laughs> um, so our four cents. We're talking about homesteading and uh, subsistence farming. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think that there's a lot of thought that needs to go into this topic that isn't okay. going into this topic. People are just kind of jumping on the train hmm. and riding it, and they don't really know what is going on. Right. Um, so, as we were prepping, Isaac mentioned I should probably define my terms a little bit. So, um, yeah, because I, I will just jump in when uh, Kip sent me the initial show notes or the outline. I'm like, this is actually the first time I feel like I've heard this term in a long time, and it's something that Kip has been wrestling with. This past year, yeah. but anyway, yeah, yeah. So that and and I think it is smart that I should define terms because there is a, a radical difference between homesteading and subsistence farming. Mm. So I'll start with homesteading. Uh, homesteading is the concept that you raise uh, animals or food in the form of vegetables on your own land, and you provide some of the food necessary to feed your family. Mm on the property that you own. Um, homesteading is super cool. I didn't get that. No. Could you try again? Siri doesn't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awkward. That is perfect. <laughs> if only he had jumped in, like at the very beginning of R4 since, then you could have just said, oh yeah, I need to talk about that. <laughs> hey, and let the record state that it wasn't my phone that vibrated this time. It's fair. All right, we're, we're even now. We're even now. My watch decided to pipe into this podcast. <laughs> Big Brother is listening. <laughs> it's about um, time to go just 11th century, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the, the concept of homesteading is just that you uh, raise some of the food necessary okay. on your own property. Super cool concept. It allows you to have more natural, organic food. Hmm. You know how it's been raised. You know what, it, what your cow has eaten, right? right? right. So you can control flavor, um, uh, nutrients that okay. you're getting from the meat. You can control all of these variables that you just don't know when you're getting something right. shrink wrapped right. off the shelf at Winco, right? <laughs> so, super cool concept. Um, that's homesteading. Subsistence farming is uh, when you raise all of the food or gather or hunt for mm. um, all of the food that you need to survive and you have absolutely no connection to the outside world to get you things like power, propane, mm. water, sewer right. service, any of that things. Wow. Everything that you need to survive in subsistence farming happens on your own property. And my major bone to pick, I'll just give you a little teaser. We've got a lot to say here with the homesteading community is that they have in my mind, kind of blurred the line between these mm. two things. They they don't understand <laughs> that homesteading 
as they imagine it is not sufficient to take care of their families right. if society collapses. Right. They think that they're doing everything they need to survive hmm. without realizing, oh, they're still using a well that uses power that's provided by the city five miles away. Right. Right. They don't, they, and they might have thought of this with a backup propane generator, but they don't realize that they're not going to be able to buy propane and their generator is eventually going to break. Right. So I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to read a couple passages before we get into mm-hmm. um, what I've got to say. Um, and the first passage is from Luke chapter 16. We, we talked about this in our special right. um, just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Luke chapter 16. But uh, verse 8 says, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Mm. And again, in Matthew 10, verse 16, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. You're probably thinking, wow, you you kind of started out with this uh, whole farming thing. And then you read these two passages that have literally nothing to do with what you're saying. We're going to talk about wealth again. There is a a very clear connection between these two verses and what I have to say. Okay. And I'm just going to try to highlight it in as clear of terms as I can. How can you be shrewd in your dealings with the world if you have no involvement with the world? Mm. How can you be shrewd in your dealing with mankind if all of your time is taken up by planting turnips and killing cows? Mm. Okay. That's the bottom line. Right. And so there are two main issues um, that I'm going to draw from the modern homesteading movement that is okay. that I think has really developed a lot in yeah. the last yeah. year in Christian circles. And uh, just to give you a bit of context, I've been thinking about this for about six months because there's there's so much to unpack when it comes to preparing Mm -hmm. and the whole prepping homesteading subsistence farming movement because what I immediately realized as I started thinking about it is I could very easily spend all of my time Mm. uh, setting me and my family up to survive without any modern uh, luxuries right and not accomplish anything in the Mm -hmm. real world yeah right and that's where that's where my first problem comes up And that's burying the talents. Hmm. Um, I know this parable has become kind of the anthem of this podcast, (laughs) um, but I think there's good reason for that. Uh, We are living in a culture that, um, not even just in secular culture, in Christian culture as well, that is so prone to burying their talents that it's it's really disturbing. And I think that this movement of, of... uh, homesteading slash subsistence farming is, uh, in some cases, a good example of this okay. fault. Um, and and just like I said before, you can't be you cannot do what Matthew ten sixteen tells us to do: be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Mm. We cannot deal with the world if we are out of this world, in the sense that everything that we need is provided by our land, mm. right? So what I'm trying to get at here is not that providing for your family 
isn't important. It's obviously uh, one of the most important things that a man must do, right? Mm -hmm. It is one right. of the primary, uh, primary objectives of a husband and father's life. In fact, I mean, the Bible tells us if you don't do it, you have denied the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. Mm. So right. I think that it's understandable that men uh, in times like this have uh, so quickly gone to really prioritizing, uh, well, how am I going to homestead and subsistence right. farm, right. right? Because the, the thought of not doing that mm. should be terrifying to yeah. a Christian man. Right. Yeah. And so I think that it's it's a honorable reaction to uh, rush into it. Okay. But I think that it's a little bit misguided, okay. and the reason for that just is the fact that you uh, you ought to provide for your family first and foremost, mm -hmm. physically, mentally, spiritually, in all ways. That right. is that is your primary goal. Mm. But that's not all. <laughs> 99% of men are called to do more than that. <laughs> we are called to expand the kingdom in more ways than just raising godly children. Right. And you can't do that if you're, you know, farming your land 24 hours a day. Right, right. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that because okay. that's, that's kind of the point I want to get across is just that don't rush into it. Okay and bury your talents before it's necessary. Mm -hmm. But at this point, you might be thinking, well, if I don't do it before it's necessary, I'm never going to be able to do it. Right. And I'll, I'll get to that later on. But the second mm -hmm. problem I have with this homesteading subsistence farming movement is more of a practical one. Mm -hmm. And this has just come from me thinking through it for the last six months and how I ought to be preparing for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the second problem is just a lack of practical knowledge as to how this is all going to shake down. And this gets back to what I was saying about there being kind of this blurring of the definitions between right. homesteading right. and subsistence okay. farming. They're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And people need to understand that they're not the same thing. Right. Because you can do homesteading in modern times and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. But you cannot homestead in a post-apocalyptic world and survive. Right. Right. So you can't have things like, you know, off-grid solar and windmills and propane generators mm. and wells. Those things aren't going to work for mu for very long. Yeah. Right? You're if even if you spent a quarter million dollars on a solar panel array, a mm. windmill and a backup propane generator, eventually all of those things are going to break. Mm. And unless you happen to be an electrical engineer, a mechanical engineer, a right. farmer, a hunter right. and all of those things, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to fix it, mm. right? And you're not going to have the parts to fix it, even if you do have the knowledge to fix mm. it. And so as you, as, you, <laughs> as you see these guys starting to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars preparing for the worst, just keep in mind that all they're doing is extending their luxuries for five to 10 years mm. tops. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and so with that in mind, um, this concept of homesteading and self-sufficiency mm. must always be tempered with the fact that at some point in a true societal collapse, all of those luxuries that you've built up for yourself that are sufficient apart from city service uh, are, are going to fail. Mm. And you're going to find yourself very quickly in the 11th century. Right. And mm. if 
if you don't know how to live in the 11th century, well then, that quarter million dollars you spent is worthless. Mm. And so I think this is probably a good time for me to kind of transition because I've, I've kind of like hammered down right, on this. Right, you just bashed yeah. I've just been bashing this. <laughs> Um, but I think that it is, there is some wisdom to it. Hmm. Um, but I think that there's just more thought that needs to go into it. Okay. So here's how I think you ought to approach this type of preparation. First, be prepared to live in the 11th century and still provide as you ought to for your family. Okay. Because eventually you need to be prepared to find yourself in that scenario no matter what happens. Uh, there are, however, two ways that I think you can avoid, uh, getting to the 11th century. Hmm. Okay. Um, the first and primary way that you can avoid ending up living in the 11th century where the only luxuries you have are a rain catchment system and a hole in the backyard to poop in. That's all you got, right? Not that great. You know, right. you, you don't want to be digging your poop out of a hole to fertilize your green beans that's not that's not a fun time. <laughs> no, but that is another good toilet tip just for down the road. You know, we're we're really starting to stockpile these. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, hey, I'm just I'm just weaving tip. this into a coherent uh, story. I don't, I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, it is a very toilet tip. It is. So it is. There you have it. That's I'm what. Sorry, I, I'm going to move on. Yeah. Uh, um, but the primary way <laughs> that you could avoid ending up in that scenario where you are living in the 11th century is by building a network of family and trusted friends with differing assets and differing skill sets. Um, and the reason I say mm. this is that uh, society develops through capitalism. We all know this. Uh, and if you don't know this, you're probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, so society develops through capitalism. And the only way that you're going to avoid losing all of the luxuries that make life easier mm -hmm. is by surrounding yourself with people who can do different things. Mm -hmm. So you have a hunter, you have um, a gatherer, you right. have a farmer, you have a mechanic, you have all of these, you have an engineer who can work on electricals. You have all of these different types of people that you can trust and trade with. But here's another caveat to this point. In order for this to work, you have to have a skill that you can trade back. <laughs> because if you've got nothing, your money's going to be worthless. So you do need to have some sort of practical skill right. that you can trade with other people yeah, like in this scenario. <laughs> like podcast is a very practical skill. <laughs> it's going to be very useful. Uh, so that's the primary thing I think you can do to avoid living the 11th century. And let me just illustrate this by, let's think about okay. the 11th century. The reason society didn't develop is because everybody was either a serf or a lord. Right. Right. And so you had a bunch of people who were subsistence farming and they didn't get anywhere right. <laughs> wow <laughs> who the thug capitalism is what pulled society out of that rut hmm. and so if you can maintain capitalism it follows that you can maintain hmm. um obviously on a smaller scale but at least right. maintain some of the luxuries that have been developed over the last couple hundred years right um and then the the final thing is just kind of a just kind of a wisdom thing in terms of how much you can do you you know your own finances uh you know 
what you can accomplish. But uh, what I've tried to do is provide myself with a buffer mm -hmm. um, by buying something like a generator right. and stuff like this that I can, you know, um, have long shelf life food okay. and water and a generator set aside mm -hmm. so that it gives me time to build a rain catchment system or right. something like that. You know, right. the things that you do need to survive in the case that society does collapse. Mm -hmm. Like if I lose city water to my house, I know what I need to do. Right. I just need some time to do it. Mm -hmm. But that allows you to not waste your time now, not bury mm -hmm. your talent now by building a rain catchment system. Right. If you have a way of maintaining survivability mm -hmm. once society does collapse, if right. that makes sense. Right. So it gives you a buffer of, okay, I can provide for a year mm -hmm. or two years without all of these fancy prepper things. Right. But it gives me the time to do that mm -hmm. if the need arises. And so I think that's, that's probably, um, and again, I haven't heard anybody else say this, so take it with a grain of salt. Right. This is just my, my four cents, yeah. my two cents. Isaac <laughs> hasn't even chimed in. Um, I think the wisest way to approach it is to buy the stuff that will give you a buffer. Mm -hmm. And uh, once that buffer is in place, just know that this is what I have to do if society collapses mm -hmm. and I need to prepare. So what are your thoughts on that, Isaac? Gosh, Kip. Um, a, it was just very fascinating to listen to that. I mean, once again, I'm kind of like in the seat of the listener of like <laughs> I I, can't, I I didn't really know much about this, right? Or like I rather I hadn't pondered it much because gotcha. yeah. I've done certain things where you know you have to provide for yourself out in the wilderness. Like that, yeah. that's I've been in some of those situations. Um, you know, I mean, they're not like crucial situations, but anyway. Um, I guess I just have a few questions okay. that if we can kick around. Go for um, it. And just like the probably big picture, um, you know, I mean, I think you are the only one talking about subsistence farming, at least in uh, our our network. Um, sure. I, I know I hadn't really considered it after 2020, but I know that there's plenty of people that have their finger on the pulse and like thinking this is more of a reality than it was just a few years ago mm. of people needing to have those skills. How much though, just looking at big picture, how likely do you think it will be that uh, there's a total collapse in society and you have to fend for yourself like this? Mm. Yeah, I think it's very slim. Okay. I think homesteading okay. is always a good idea because right. we're already seeing things like supply chain issues, right? Like fast food restaurants aren't serving certain things because mm -hmm. they can't get them. Uh, every once in a while, you'll walk into Winco or Walmart and they just don't have something. Right, it's weird. Mm -hmm. um, so we're already seeing, you know, supply chain issues. Okay, and I think that that type of thing getting worse is very likely. Okay, gotcha. Um, and and so I think that uh, the the concept of homesteading is a great idea, mm -hmm. even if you only have a little bit of land. If you can raise some of the food you need or know somebody who has some land that you can buy a cow and keep mm -hmm. on their land, I think right. that's a great idea. Mm. Um, and and I, I love that concept. The idea of subsistence farming, however, you know, the reason I've given myself a buffer rather right. than actually preparing all of the mm -hmm. things that I would need to survive is because that I don't think it's very likely. Okay. So I, if... If I thought it was more likely, I probably would have put a little bit of time into this 
stuff ahead of time, right? right? Yeah, um, because there are certain things that I could do without taking up all of my mm. all of my productive time, right? And uh, I've chosen not to. Mm. Um, I'm hopeful and prayerful that this isn't this isn't something that's right. in our future or mm. in our children's future. Um, but I, I do think it's important to think about totally. because it yeah. has become more of a likelihood right. over the last year than it was previously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, sorry, I can't really give much more than that. No, but. no, that's good. I was just, um, I could, um, just kind of feel the slight panic in some of the people listening to, <laughs> to this, like, like, oh, this, you know, when you start listening to something, it's just makes it more of a reality because you start thinking about it. Right. right? I mean, just, just that alone. Um, yeah, but don't panic. Right. Yeah. Think about yeah. it, but don't panic. Right. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> let let the cooler heads prevail. Um, yeah. I guess my next question is, you know, you talked about networking with friends and family that have skills that um, vary from your own, and yeah. that you could kind of build that small capitalistic society. Yeah. You know, just like from the bare bones. Mm-hmm. Um, but just thinking practically here in Moscow, you know, we're, we're a small rural town, but mm-hmm. there are quite a few college students. There are a lot of people that live in town, not out of town. You know, not, I, I don't know a ton of farmers. I mean, I, yeah. I'm aware of plenty of them, right? I know mm-hmm. that some attend the church that I go to and some attend the church you go to. Yeah. Um, but how practical um, is it to network with people um, that aren't naturally in your friend groups or uh, when they're living in a town, how um, much should you go out of your way to start um, networking with people that have you know those skills when it comes to farming, when it comes to hunting? Yeah. Um, how, how much should that be on top of people? Like where should it be on people's priority lists mm. right now? Because um, you did say it's slim, but we still want to prepare for the future. Yeah. So how how would you go about kind of starting to build that network now? Oh, great question. I uh, I'll start with the prioritization. Okay. I would just let it fit into your natural daily life because okay. as a guy, you're in the workplace, right? And you naturally are going to meet people mm-hmm. who do different things, right? Now, right. depending on what type of work you're in, you're probably more likely to. Um, meet people who are farmers or right. I mean I'm in real estate so I meet people who have hmm. land all the time. Okay. So it's kind of it's kind of a natural right thing for me. Gotcha. Um, okay. but if you're, you know, in if you're a programmer, you're not mm-hmm. likely to meet the type of people who are uh, who are on first glance as valuable in terms mm. of their skill sets in in <laughs> right. the apocalypse, right? Right. But that's not necessarily the case because if you do have solar panels, mm-hmm. There are, there are circuit boards. Right. <laughs> They'll know how to work with those. Yeah. So uh, the, I would just say let it let it just kind of sit there on the back burner in your okay. mind. And uh, don't make it awkward. Don't say, hey, so uh, I just <laughs> If the you, world's ending. <laughs> but <laughs> if the world's ending, can I buy some of your land? <laughs> with the dollars that mean nothing anymore? <laughs> right. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so, so with... I, I didn't want to cut off yeah, no, you from your answer there, but um, money, or rather a, a better way of saying it, exchange of goods that have value. Yeah. Um, what do you think uh, we would be would be the best thing in trading for a small society? Is it just 
this is the need that you have and I can fill it if you fill this need that I have. Yeah. Do you think that it would fall all the way back to that? Or do you think we'd have some kind of um, monetary exchange, you know, like a dollar bill? Um, I think I think in that scenario, any type, type of monetary exchange would probably actually be in precious metals. Okay, um, gotcha. And, and anything, but hmm, I should back up a little bit. In this type of scenario, what's going to be in high demand is farming. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Because not that long ago, most of America was farming. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's only because of modern technology and combines that are 50 mm-hmm. feet wide that it's now only like 2% of America wow. is farmers. Yeah. Right? But farming, when you lose those combines, mm-hmm. is going to be a manual labor task. Right. And so... I think most people will find themselves doing manual labor for farming. And there are going to be a few people who have skill sets that are still somehow valuable Mm -hmm. that can trade those skills to receive food from the farmers. Um, So I think that'll be the primary thing. And Mm -hmm. then there will be some people who have, um, you know, precious metals who can trade those with other people. Right. But I don't think that will be as valuable mm. in a total collapse as right. just trading food and other necessities. Mm. So, um, but the other thing to keep in mind is if you're listening to this and thinking, oh man, I don't have any skill sets that would be valuable in the apocalypse, right. you can labor. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you, yeah. You can dig and play it and, well, and uh, that's just fine. Like yeah. that's going to be the most important thing mm. And it puts you directly connected to the supply of the most valuable mm. asset. Right. So right. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a, a day laborer. Right. So. Now, now, if people want to be more than a day laborer, if they are looking at their skill set right now, it's like, I am just a programmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's kind of what I've been doing for the last 8, 10 years. Mm-hmm. What, what would you uh, say they should do to maybe start, you know, You've got that buffer time, right, right, to start learning skills. What, what, where should they go to first? Mm. Um, I would say, just try to. Th- I would try to. Um, again, kind of the whole theme behind what I'm saying is, mm. don't. I'm not. I'm not encouraging you to put like twenty percent of your time right. towards mm-hmm. preparing. I'm just encouraging you to let it sit there in the back of yeah. your mind and think about it. So. Mm. With that in mind, I don't want you to, you know, purposefully go out and network with people who have the skill sets you think you would need to trade with in right. the apocalypse. I'm not encouraging you to do that. And neither would I necessarily encourage you to specifically pursue another skill set mm. just for the apocalypse. Right. I would just encourage you to think about what your current skill sets could translate mm. into okay. in the apocalypse. Cool. Um, so whether... You know, if you're a programmer, maybe you know a little bit about um, electrical work, and right. you could think about you could think about the things that are um, most likely going to be necessary hmm. in that time, like yeah. the the basic Arduino chips that run modern generators and all the all those kinds of things. You you are probably more likely to be um, effective at working on that right. kind of stuff, right? right? Okay. So cool. I would just try to think about okay, what what would I be good at, and then yeah. just don't necessarily spend too much time on it, but yeah. just just give it a little think. Okay. And I think most of us will have something that kind yeah. of clicks into place that, oh, this this would make sense. Right. And then you don't really need to think about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless, unless everything collapses. Right. <laughs> just, just in case. Just yeah. in case. <laughs> okay. Well, 
that's all the questions I had for you. Awesome. Well, uh, let's let's move straight into toilet talk. My tip is is tied in with our four cents. It's very brief. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not actually read all the way through this book yet, but um, it's right in line with um, what we discussed today. So uh, my tip is read The Lost Ways by Claude Davis. Um, this is a book that is written uh, to teach you uh, how to live in the 11th century, kind of like kind of like what I was talking about. Uh, be prepared to live in the 11th century mm-hmm. and still provide as you ought. Right. This book will give you a lot of insight mm-hmm. into how to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a fun read. It's fun to think about. Like, totally. I enjoy this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, and I think most guys enjoy this kind of stuff. They yeah. enjoy the thought of, oh, wow, that plant I saw is actually useful for this or whatever. Right, so, right. Um, it, it's a fun read, and also I think it would be really valuable mm. for you. So that's my tip. Okay, fantastic. Well, I will probably pick that up, uh, maybe even borrow it from you when you're when you're done because uh, I'm a cheapskate. Uh, <laughs> but um, my, my tip is kind of more uh, just like perspective we yeah. were discussing early on in the show, I think. Um, is having that um, a perspective when it comes to the culture, mm. um, and maybe maybe we didn't even talk about that, and I'm just <laughs> misremembering that that is true. Um, but uh, remember who the real enemy is. Mm. Um, I I think it's really easy. Um, well, first of all, this isn't necessarily a call for pacifism. I do want to put that out there uh, because it might sound like that as I'm just walking through it because we live in a very um, militant culture that I think requires a lot of um cool headedness. Yeah, yeah. No, but also I, I think a lot of people now are really gearing up for like that for hot headedness actually right. and like really engaging with the culture and taking it head on, which is good. Um but I just want to remind you uh this is a call for seeing the forest in the trees. Like don't mm-hmm. don't lose sight of the bigger picture yeah. and just focused on the one stick that's right in front of you. Yeah. Uh often we can become so singularly focused on one particular person or issue in our lives that we forget that there's a greater context and mm-hmm. um that greater context is that we have already won the war in the cross. Mm-hmm. Right? So Christ has already come. He's already defeated everything right we obviously have the day-to-day battles and in those specific battles it's really easy to forget that we've already won and be we can be more prone to knee-jerk reactions Mm. than actually just thinking oh maybe patience is a better virtue to exhibit here Mm. instead of trying to beat this person over the head with the truth Mm. um and realizing sometimes um Love is required to be patient, right? It's required to be kind. Um, and that, once again, not a call for uh, pacifism and weak will, mm-hmm. but rather uh, let the cooler heads prevail in some situations. Yeah. Um, and really, it, the perfect combination is cooler heads with hearts full of courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we know when it's time to um, gird up and go to battle. Yeah, that was beautifully put. And... And just to note here, this is, uh, disappointingly, something that I've seen the left being mm. uh, far better at mm. um, in, in the culture wars that are going on yeah. right now. The left is very good at, uh, in the governmental level, right. not in the Portland riots level, yeah. <laughs> um, is very good at appearing to be the cool-headed ones. Mm. Um, and you see this with what just happened uh, a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, I guess more like a week ago now as you're hearing this, but 
um, Pelosi and Schumer are so good at painting Trump as this oh. uh, riot inciting, yeah. crazy, wild man, mm-hmm. when in reality that's not the case. It, it isn't. No. But um, they're so good at appearing like mm-hmm. the calm, cool, level-headed ones, yeah. when, in, when in reality we, we all know they're completely bonkers. Yeah. Um, but just think about that. Be ashamed and don't be that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, great tip, Isaac. Thank you. Um, but before we sign off, if you've listened to us for this long, uh, I hope you're interested in yeah. what we've had to say. So, if you are, please feel free to share this show with your friends uh, and give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, join our Discord channel to chat with us about these things. And with that, for the cut and the dry on the Life Given Radio, this is Kip and Isaac signing off. Thank you.